Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Today, I'm chatting with award-winning filmmaker Gerald McCullough, whose acting work you know from movies like Daddy, the Bear City franchise, as well as a longtime cast member of the hit TV series CSI. Gerald has spent years exploring and documenting the world of male strippers. A few years ago, he shared his documentary, All Male, All Nude, looking behind the scenes of Atlanta's famous Swinging Richard Strip Club. Now he's back with a second feature-length documentary, this time entitled All Male, All Nude, Johnson's. Here's the official synopsis. Journey into the unique world of male stripping at a small gay strip club located in America's second gayest city. All Male, All Nude Johnson's is set in Florida's newest gay strip club, Johnson's. Located in Wilton Manors, Florida, and new home to the creator and owner of Johnson's, Matt Kalunga, an award-winning bodybuilder who has been in the male entertainment industry for 23 years and was introduced in the first film. From 42-year-old Matt to 26-year-old Alexander, who spends his days dressed as Spider-Man, creating early memories for children at kid parties and spends his nights stripping down to his G-string for gay men, to single fathers and young men putting themselves through college with their stripping income, to entertainers in the adult film world, the men who compose the heart of Johnson's are diverse, unique, and captivating. All Male, All Nude Johnson's will have its official premiere in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on Sunday, September 15th at 6.30 p.m. at the Gateway Theater on East Sunrise Boulevard. There will be a pre-reception for VIP guests, which will begin at 5 p.m. at the Modern 60s Wine Lounge next to the Classic Gateway, as well as an exclusive catered VIP after-party following the premiere at Johnson's The Club, complete with open bar where guests will be able to mingle with the chiseled centerpieces of the film. Plus, guests attending the premiere will be treated to a special performance by acclaimed New York City musician Corey Tutt, performing his songs from the film's soundtrack. But Gerald has all the details, so let's say hi to Gerald McCullough and talk all-male, all-nude, Johnson's. Gerald McCullough, how are you? I'm doing very well. It's good to talk to you again. I'm so glad to hear that you are back for another bite at the apple, or peach as it were, uh, with this <laughs> documentary. Well, this is really a bite of the orange, because it's set in... It's set oh, in there you go. Ohio. Okay. So I'm going to go with you better. Yeah, it's a yeah. bite of the orange. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So two years ago, we talked about All Male, All Nude, which was your first documentary about the environment of male strippers or go-go dancers. And in a second, I'm going to ask you a question about that. But at the time, the first film was called All Male, All Nude. And it took place at Swinging Richards in Atlanta. And it still is. is. (laughs) But who knew, you know, now, here we are, there's a sequel. And we have All Male, All Nude, Johnson's. Because you have now done a film about the performers at Johnson's at Go-Go Club, again, I'm being specific, I'm going to let you talk about this in a second, in Wilton Manors, Florida. Now, the reason I keep 
saying I want to ask you about that because early on in the film, which I enjoyed very much, by the way. Well, awesome. I'm glad you did. And for several reasons that I'll get into, but in the beginning of the film, they make a distinction that we call Johnson's a go-go club and not a strip club because you'll articulate this better than me, I think. Matt, the owner, actually calls Johnson's a strip bar, but but it's not an all-nude strip bar. Okay, so um, technically there's it, that. Yes. Matt uh, was introduced in the first film. So the evolution of that first film was that when – my first feature film, Daddy, sold to my distributors. They're like, what else do you have? And I had kind of put together a sizzle reel about, you know, trying to pitch a show about Swing Richards, a strip club in Atlanta, trying to pitch that as a reality show. And my distributors saw that and they said, can you make this a, a documentary feature? And I was like, give me a few months and let me give it a shot. So they bought that, that movie, you know, became what is known as All Male, All Nude, which is available you know, on Netflix DVD and Amazon and iTunes, and it's done very well for them. And so around the time that that film, maybe that film had been out about six months, so maybe about a year and a half ago, Breaking Glass and my distributors said, look, you know, this film is doing really well. Can this possibly become a franchise of films? And around that same time, Matt Kalunga, who is the DJ slash manager in that first film, mm -hmm. he was the DJ manager of Swain Richards for many years. He's actually been a male entertainer since he was 19 years old. He reached out to me and said, hey, I keep getting notice from your movie all the time. And I just want you to know that I've opened up a new strip club in Florida. You should come check it out. So it all just kind of happened at the right time. So I went down to Florida, checked out the club, talked to my distributors, and uh, then all male, all nude. Johnson's was born. Um, Johnson's is the name of Matt's club in Fort Lauderdale, and because Matt's kind of the through line from the first film to the, right. this film, you know he's kind of the the protagonist of the story. But again, it goes into these lives of you know a, a varied, colorful group of guys, you know, varying in ages, ethnicities, uh, backgrounds, and they all kind of come together at this in this weird kind of story engine of the strip club and they all form this very unique family kind of like you know i revealed in that first film and i just found the whole experience completely engaging you know i i shot for about six months i would go down to fort lauderdale florida and wilton manors wilton manors is a small city located next to fort lauderdale and wilton manors is actually the second gayest city in america do you love um, that i love and it. it's yeah, I, yeah, and it's such a welcoming, beautiful little community. It's really wonderful. And Wilton Drive, which is the main drive of Wilton Manors, where all the bars are, it's it's just such a great community. And part of me really wanted to shed a light on that because it's not a destination that everyone knows about. So I had a few kind of, you know, not only wanted to address Matt's journey and uncover kind of the family that creates this club and. Wilton Manors, Florida, but also show the audience what this location is like. Um, it's just, it's, it's really unique and completely beautiful. And I not only fell in love with getting to uncover the, the stories within this club, but fell in love with Wilton, Wilton Manors and Fort Lauderdale in general. I mean, it was a really great, fun six months going down there and, 
and shooting and getting to know not only the guys, but getting to know the environment. I love that a part of the film actually deals with how, I don't want to call it an incident because it's not scandalous or anything, but there's a moment, and I also don't want to give things away, but there's a moment where we go to a city council meeting in, in Wilton Manor's because of a donation that Matt makes. And it shows how welcoming this environment is, this this community is to these people and to this club and everything. You know what I love about both of these films, All Male, All Nude, and, and the new one, All Male, All Nude Johnson's, is, you know, my husband Michael has represented the Chippendales here in Las Vegas for like 14 uh-huh. years now. And so I have my own experience about getting to know the guys at Chippendales and performers in adult entertainment. You know, we know the guys at Thunder From Down Under, and everybody's really friendly in that community. While a lot of people, men, whether it's women and men who come to Chippendales, whether it's men who go to Johnson's, you get a sense that, you know, of course, people love the environment. It's a lot of fun and you're tipping and everything. But for lack of better language, what these films really reveal is about these people who work in adult entertainment for a living and that, like everybody else, they're human. They have a life of their own. They have families that they're taking care of. Every now and then, even here in Las Vegas sometimes, I'll mention, oh, so-and-so's a Chippendale or something at a, when I introduce someone if I'm out somewhere. And, you know, people love the idea of having fun with them in a club, but sometimes... I hate this kind of icky thing where in life, separate from the club life, someone might go, ew, oh, they're an adult performer, ew, blah, 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 as if they're not like everybody else just doing a job, and this is right. what they're doing. And so what I love about this movie is it puts a face to the life of single dads and people putting themselves through college and everything. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of my goal, not only with the second film, but with the first film. You know, I really... You know, because we all do, society, I think, in general, has a certain perspective yeah, or outlook on people that choose to lead that life. And I, as a filmmaker, I chose to celebrate these guys and celebrate the environment of the club. You know, the first time I went to Swingin' Richards, my very first film, which was a, a short film that I made called The Moment After, right. that did really well. It, it, when it had its Atlanta premiere, they brought me into Atlanta. Because I have roots in Atlanta, I had a lot of friends come, my sister came, and after the movie screened, she took me to Swingin' Richards. And I never knew that a place like Swingin' Richards even existed. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, what is this? And that night, I met a few of the dancers who, at the time, I was on CSI, and they were CSI fans, so they recognized who I was, and we kind of goofed off and chatted. And I became friends with these guys. And they were like, look, if you're a filmmaker, you should come check out this place. So through through my friend Steven and a few other dancers, they were kind of my threshold into that world. Mm-hmm. And I just found it completely intriguing. And it was always, as I told the club, when I kind of pitched this idea to them initially at Swing Richards, I was like, I don't want to uncover anything that's going to perpetuate people's negative perception of this life. I, I want to celebrate. It is so much fun. And especially Matt, who runs and owns Johnson's, he really knows how to create such a great environment. And I talk about that in the second film. You know, and again, with the second film, it was again, as I talked to Matt, you know, it's my purpose to kind of celebrate this. You know, in in any aspect of any nightlife environment, you know, there's going to be pros and cons. And there are people that fall to the wayside in that world. And there are people that use that to to further their dreams and goals. And Matt and the guys I cover, I think, are, are examples of that. 
And that says some, some beautiful things in the second film. He's been a dancer his whole life, and, and he, this is a way that he has found where he can really become a father figure to these kids. You know, he's been in the industry forever. He knows what path to take, and he really is a father figure to these guys, and it's really great to watch. And, and Matt, you know, has been in a relationship for a very long time. He's a husband. While they were both dancers, he has such a unique life that I just find completely intriguing. And the family that he has created and that evolves from these clubs that he puts together, you know, is, is, is I think, great entertainment, you know? I agree. What you do so well with the film is you introduce us to these people first. You you give us time to get to know them, and they're all so different. You know, I, I was personally drawn to uh, Alexander, who spends his days dressed as Spider-Man at children's parties, and then, you know, at night yep. he goes down to Johnson's, and he strips down to his G-string. And But everybody has a different story, and you do a really great job of introducing these people, and then you share with us kind of part of their journey as we get to know matt also because you know a great through line through all of this is that we that we learned that matt worked at swinging richards for so long and then he opened the club and he's running it the way he feels he wants to see things done and and he wants to embrace what he's learned after all of these years of being in the industry yeah i mean he's certainly seen you know the downfalls of this industry and it's it's very and kind of inspiring he's chosen to lead this life again, where he kind of chooses to become a father figure to these guys. It's, you know, and, and that's, you know, got his shit together. He's a really great guy. And to watch what he's done, you know, and again, you brought up the problem with the city, you know, again, just that kind of general negative connotation that people have towards strip clubs, you know, and Matt has certainly uh, in the opening, you know, I, I followed Matt for, as I said, about six months, which was the first year the club was opened and he was thrown many curveballs. You know? Really? Yeah. You know, not only if it's the city that has problems or if it's people reporting things, if it's, you know, his, comp- his, his competition. I have to jump on something because something really petty does happen. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell this a little bit. It doesn't give the movie away uh, because it's a documentary anyway, so it's all fact. There are the petty people. At one point in the film, you document the fact that somebody reports the club for parking, not on concrete or this or something. So there are some petty people in the environment that are totally the minority, but they they try and get them in trouble for some, like, where you're parking, which is so silly. Yeah, I mean, they they really tried to throw them under the bus incessantly. You know, and it's funny because the law is that Johnson's is a small club, a small new club on Wilton Drive, and to the side of that club is a large grass field. Yeah. That, until Johnson's opened, every club that's been there before has always used that grass field to park on. But the law says that only churches and nonprofits can park on grass. Yes. And because Johnson's is not a nonprofit, and because like they say in the film, although people do pray there, it's not really a church. <laughs> Which I love, yes. You know, they, they said they had to stop parking on the because someone, one of their competitors called, Johnson's is a doing very, very, very well in this club. And some people look at it that it's taken the business away from the other clubs, but it's bringing people to the drive and to this area of Wilt Manors that would not have been coming there. So it's really adding to the community. But some of that community is resistant to change, as people always are. And they've certainly tried to find every way possible to throw 
Johnson's and Matt under the bus. And to compensate for that, Matt has really chosen to put his business in a light that is furthering and assisting the community. So yes, Matt donates $5,000 to an after-school program, the, the highest donation a business in Wilton Drive has ever given to the schools. Like he's really doing some great things. And because he's doing these things, there's a lot of people that have been in town for a while that are having some resistance to this. And so I get to document some of that. You know, some is the court case I, I, t- I, go, uh, I go to with him. And uh, again, there's the parking lot situation. Uh, and, and I just caught kind of the last year of all that stuff. They certainly went through a lot of hoops, trying to get their liquor license approved, trying to deal with how they would set up the club with VIP rooms and, you know, and people saying that it would never open. I mean, I have Matt really talking and, and some of the other guys that work there, just uh, kind of educating the audience and me on kind of the uphill battle it was to open this club, especially with people's kind of judgments about that lifestyle. I see all of this as good, clean adult fun, and nobody's doing anything untoward. There's nothing illegal happening here. And so when I see the petty people come out and try and, like, throw roadblocks in front of these people, you know, Matt is an entrepreneur. He's creating jobs. You know, these are all really conservative Republican talking points, aren't they? You know, creating jobs, new businesses. And to hear that people are trying to thwart his efforts just because they have a bias or a judgment against this is really icky. And the good news is your film really frames this. You don't even have to work hard. You don't, you don't even, you don't work at all. You just put it out there and it's clear for the viewer to see how these are kind of some petty concerns that some small board people have. You know, and I also, I also don't, you know, want to make the world in something that it's not. It certainly does has have its pitfalls mm-hmm. and its dark side. You know, I mean, I, I certainly chose, my not my problem, but one thing I was aware of with the first film, All Male All Nude, is that it it wasn't the people I spoke with, the dancers that you know I, I gravitated towards, didn't necessarily have a variety. They were all a little similar, and and the the world and the country has changed a lot since I made that first film, you know, uh, and so I kind of wanted the second film to show the diversity, to reflect the diversity. So I chose to have guys from different walks of life that look differently, different ethnicities. You know, I chose to have someone that's in the adult film world. Right. Because I wanted to, I, I didn't want it to all be one thing. So I, I try to certainly, certainly show that there's a very colorful world inside of these clubs. Not everyone's just one thing. You know, so I also talked to some of the bartenders. I talked to the guy that runs the VIP room. I, you know, the dancers, I try to try to find a young kid, you know, an older guy, a, you know, a, People that have all had different lives. And one of the guys has been stripping since he was 18. And with that money, he's an artist. He has opened up his own gallery and rents out uh, design studios. And he's really used this to his benefit. And same with Alexander, who spends his days, you know, as Spider-Man or Superman for kids' parties, bringing joy to kids. And he spends his night bringing joy to gay men in in a song. (laughs) And he loves that. You know, it's great to see. He's like, look, you know, I'm bringing joy to people. And what's wrong with that? Whether I'm dressed as Spider-Man during the day or wearing a thong at night, you know, I'm not doing anything bad. I'm just bringing happiness to people. Why is that looked upon as, as something that I shouldn't be doing at night? Why is it fine that I can dress as a spider as Spider-Man and do flips for kids during the day, but I can't wear a thong and do flips for guys at night? 
You know, <laughs> I, I kind of like some of the some of the points that they bring up. You yeah, know, and it does make you think like, wow, that's kind of true. You actually read my mind because one of the questions I wanted to ask you was because you compared Swinging Richards, the the first film, to this one. Was there a difference for you in this environment or this group of people? Was there anything that surprised you this time around in putting this film together? You know, because All Male, All Nude, the first film that's set in Swinging Richards, because that is an all-nude club. Right. I, you know, when Matt was pitching me this, his new club, which is not an all-nude club, is a strip club, but is more of a go-go club. You know, I was like, uh, you know, my distributors also were like, well, if it's called All Male, All Nude, but yet it's not a nude strip club, how how are we going to make this work? And so I went down to the club, not 100% sold that I could make this movie. And I not only found the guys, but their stories and the world of this club almost as intriguing as the guys that are in the nude strip club, mm-hmm. which I, I didn't think that I would be as uh, intrigued by the, this club. And I found it just as intriguing. I found the guys' stories, their lives, completely engaging. So I think that the fact that I was able to uncover the lives that I do in this movie, uh, all, all just kind of fed into the, the idea that this is just as substantial uh, of a film and as engaging of a film as the first film. You know, I certainly have a way, especially with Matt's history, because I've, in a way, I've been filming Matt for 10 years when you look at the true situation you know i I had a lot of b-roll and old footage to go back to with matt so it's nice that i and that that didn't happen a lot with films it's nice that when i'm talking to matt in the present with this second film when he talks about his history i can actually go back in his history and find footage of him at swing recruits right you had it yeah so i can yeah i had it so when he talks about his past i can show his past you know which i found a really great tool and and also it kind of bridges the gap between the two films because there's a lot of moments that were cut out of the first film that I get to put into the second film. That includes a lot of the skin you see in this film. You know, again, <laughs> yes. with the subject of this film being Johnson's, which is not an all-nude club, and yet the movie being called All Male, All Nude, I was like, all right, how am I going to do that? And because I have so much footage from the first um, movie, I, as you can see when you see the movie, there's opportunities there's plenty of opportunities to go back to that footage you know many of the guys that work at johnson's worked at swinging richards and i have footage of them working at swinging richards nude footage when they're dancing so when they talk about their days at swinging richards i can just go straight yeah. to them dancing nude at swinging richards i've got so that right kind of, here <laughs> it, all, it all kind of worked out really well and that was you asked about the surprises of the two movies and that was a surprise to me too is that that the flow of the second film, I feel like works really, really well with the first film. You know, I feel like they, sometimes a a part two doesn't necessarily fit. And I felt like that this all kind of fit. And as a director of this film, you know, I I tried to make the two films really gel together. So again, I have Corey Tutt doing my soundtrack. You know, Corey Tutt did the soundtrack for Daddy, my first feature film. And I thought his soundtrack for All Male, All Nude was near perfection. Absolutely. And this one, again, is great. So I think for a lot of different reasons, they kind of have, they have the same feel and vibe. And I feel that the two films really go well together. They do. I'll say two things to that real quick. One, shout out to Corey, because really, when I watch your films, I, you know I'm a fan of Daddy. Well, I actually got to see you on stage in Daddy before it was a movie. But I'm a fan you of did. the movie. 
And I'm a fan of the first documentary, All Male, All Nude. And I've said this to you before, you know, I listen and because I'm in the industry, you know, I'm always aware of like licensing music and what everything costs. And so there are times when I would, I would, when, when watching Daddy or watching All Male, All Nude, I remember thinking, wow, this really cost a lot because listen to that music. He licensed all of this. And then to find out that Corey actually scored all of this for you, he does a great job because it's perfectly appropriate. It is perfectly the right sound, the right beats, the right tone for what's going on in the film. And the second point I want to make is what's really cool about this film, if you didn't see All Male, All Nude, version uh, volume one, you could see this film and get a, a great sense of what that was. And you do dovetail into this really well. And so we really, you did a great job of bringing that all together. So if you were thinking all male, all nude, well, there's some of that over there, and, but I'm telling this story today and right. great job yeah, with I mean, that. I think you don't, yeah, you don't need to see one to see the other, but they certainly go well together. Back to what you were saying with Corey, you know, and wait, first of all, how cool is it that you did come see Daddy when it was just a play <laughs> in L.A.? In I LA. love that you were there for that. I loved it. Yeah, and so and I, I have to tell people right now, uh, you have to watch the movie. Um, one of my favorite things was watching the movie with my husband. I'm just going to say we still keep it secret. There's a moment and you don't know it's coming. And... I'm sitting on the couch with my husband, and I'm I'm out of the corner of my eye watching him because I w can't wait for him to see it. Totally took him by surprise. Your direction on the movie totally captured the spirit of the play, and your performance was awesome. And but we loved, we loved, we loved the the, the film version. And to this day, he's always like, I did not see that coming, <laughs> and I loved but, it. You know, but it's there. But it's but it's. You know, that was, a, that was also a journey as a director. Right, absolutely. Like, how do I make this reveal make sense? Right. You know, how, like, because all, all the seeds have got to be planted. Absolutely. So people aren't thrown out of, the, out of the story. So, you know, that was the hardest, especially with the name of the movie. You know, that was the hardest journey for me. Like, how, do, how am I going to keep this a secret? This is going to be impossible. So, you know, that, there was months of pre-production to make that to try to hide that secret as much as possible but bringing that back to Corey tut i've known Corey for many years and when daddy was moving forward and becoming a film you know as a director i think the power of music is is so unique to quote barry manilow he says that you know music is the cathedral of the soul and i, I do find that it just has this kind of unsaid connection that people have, have an innate connection to music. And so I, you know, when I was trying to figure out the musical voice of daddy, um, because it is kind of a male dominated story. Um, I had some other female singer songwriters that approached me about using their music and I, I had some other indie artists and, you know, then I talked to Corey and he allowed me to access his whole musical library. And I thought as a director, I just thought I kind of, want to use music as kind of guideposts through the story. So I got to listen and I, and then I was like, well, wait, if I'm going to do that. And this is kind of my protagonist's journey through the world of daddy. I'm like, why don't I just use one voice? Why don't I have that be a, a male musical voice? 
So Corey allowed me to access his whole musical library, and I got to listen to all these songs and use the, the parts of the songs that I used, but I felt paralleled with my protagonist's story. So in a way, it kind of becomes a film with music because the songs that come out that, you know, underscore the film when they do, that just is a parallel to where Colin, the protagonist, is in the story. And I love that not only could I access his whole library, but the parts of the songs that I could access and that I did use, not only, I think, create a great soundtrack, but really echo the plot points. And I, 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 that's one thing I love about the movie and love that I was able to do that with Corey's music. And so again, because that was kind of a tactic I used with my first film, when Corey was coming out with a dance CD, right when I was making the first stripper documentary, I was like, all right, your music is perfect for this new film I'm doing. So again, he just let me access not only the tracks on the CD, but the tracks that were used on the CD. And then when this third film started coming about, um, we again had a conversation. I said, are you working on anything new? <laughs> He's like, I am. I'm like, can I listen to it? Because I have another project coming our way. And I've known Corey for many years. So for this to be our third feature film to do together, and again, I think all three of these films have immaculate soundtracks. I'm pleased beyond words that this friend of mine I've known forever and I are able to make these three films together. And I think his work is so strong that it just adds to my movies, and I'm honored to have it as part of them. I agree completely. You know, sometimes people think of films or people think of plays or musicals on stage. They think of the actors, maybe they think of the directors. If they see a nice dance step, they'll think about the choreographer. But rarely do people think about the person who's contributing the music, which is just as much a contribution. And they're a player in this whole thing, and it all has to be complementary. It has to be organic. It has to feel right. There's a reason why directors stay with the people they know, because they you get this this communication down, you get this dialogue going with someone, and you find that you have this connection. Like, yes, this is this thing that I'm trying to say, and what you're saying musically is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and all the layers that you add, you know, whether it's the sound design, whether it's the score, whether it's the lighting or the colors you use or how it's shot, whether it's handheld or whether it's on a dolly, how, how it looks, all these facets come or I, I think should come together to support the story. So it's all in service of the story. You know, again, I think music is a really great threshold to get people into the story, to get them into the world of, uh, you know, of the movie, of the documentary or the feature film, whatever it is. So from here, are you headed to the film festival circuit, which you know very well? I'm not. I do know. I love the film festival circuit. I'm not doing it with this film um, because this is already uh, has distribution. You know, we're kind of playing with the with the timeline of when it'll be distributed. So there will be a big premiere down, which I'm so excited about. On September 15th, there's a big uh, fundraising gala for Outshine Film Festival, which is the Gay Lesbian Film Festival of Miami and of Fort Lauderdale. And it's this beautiful old movie house down in Fort Lauderdale called The Gateway. There's a pre-party where people can, you know, mix and mingle with the the dancers and the filmmakers, and then there's a, a premiere screening, and after that there's a private party at Johnson's for everyone that comes. So that'll be, that's on Sunday the 15th, and that'll be so much freaking fun. I can't wait. 
Oh, I love that people will get to see the film and get to and then go to Johnson's. Yes, yeah, it's a that's private excellent. Party, it's a private party at Johnson's. Yeah, it'll be it'll be amazing. It's gonna be it'll it'll be a night that makes me very happy. I mean, I think people will like the film. But then from going to the film to going to the club with the guys from the movie, I think it's gonna be a once in a lifetime experience. I'm so excited that it's all come together and it. You know, it raises money for the film festival, which is a 501c3, so it's all tax deductible. It all supports a great cause. I'm so glad that I can, you know, have a small little part in raising money for these festivals because these festivals give our films a life that they would never have without these festivals. They do. And I should note that you made a point when All Male, All Nude premiered in Atlanta to give back to the community there. You made sure it was part of the film festival there. You're doing the same thing here in Florida, which I think is terrific, that the the community gets to be a part of the premiere of, this, of these films that celebrate these environments and these clubs. Yeah, and how much how much fun if you happen to live in those cities or frequent these clubs that you get to go back to where you go to these clubs to not only see the movie but and you know see this place that you love reflected on on film. Right. You know, so that was always my goal was to have a premiere in Fort Lauderdale, not only for my casting crew but for that community. I think that. It'll be a great night, and again, it's raising money for a great cause. Um, the film will also screen, because some of the film takes place in Atlanta, it's also going to screen in Atlanta in October as part of their uh, film festival, Out on Film. You know, Out on Film is out of Atlanta, and they've been very supportive of all my filmmaking, and, and it'll be fun to bring it there as well. But what I got to do last week was do a few sneak previews aboard the inaugural Vakaya cruise. Um, Vakai is I the new. I saw that on social uh, media. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Vakai is is, an, is like an RSVP or Atlantis. It's a gay travel destination. The caliber of talent that was on the ship, it was great. We had Kristen Chenoweth, we had Catherine McPhee, Alex Newell. It was great. And during this week long cruise, they had a best of the fest. So they picked three feature films, and mine was more of a sneak preview. Um, and then they had a bunch of shorts available in each room on the on the TV. And so they screened these three feature films in the brand new theater out outside at the top of the ship under the stars. And it was an amazing experience. My film actually got the one night we had a little bit of bad weather. We had a little bit of rain was during my film. <laughs> you know <laughs> that no one left the top of that deck. I'll the bet they did not. wanted to see these shivers and no one but the, the you know, crew people came up and brought them blankets and parkas and, and no one but. I was like, they are sitting through the rain. <laughs> so how awesome that you got to do a little sneak preview on the cruise and everything. That's terrific. It was it was great. Yeah, it was great. And the, the cruise was, you know, I've never done like a cruise before. And I, you know, just like people that haven't gone to a strip club before, you know, I certainly had my judgments, but I had the best time from start to finish. You know, the food was amazing. The entertainment was great. The parties were so much freaking fun. You know, people go all out for this stuff. And they our, do. They and have a whole suitcase of costumes. <laughs> oh my God. It's out of control. Yes. Oh my, God. <laughs> my first Atlantis cruise years ago, I was blown away by the cut because for for the listeners who may not know that on on gay cruises generally there's a theme to every party every night and there'll be a disco every party night. so there's like people in their their 1970s disco costumes there's going to be maybe an army night where people do camouflage maybe they're there's a there's a white party maybe but but there are literally people who bring a second suitcase of costumes oh my god completely like and they Wild. they do their doors 
They oh, decorate yes, their doors. Do their I mean, doors. this is yes. professional. These people are professional. <laughs> but I ate, I ate it all up. I loved it. I thought it was a great way to travel. Awesome. Well, we have to get you on an Atlantis cruise soon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to my friends there because I think you should come on, talk about your movies, and they would love this. I think this would be terrific. I would love that. Let's make it happen. Gerald, thank you so much. Gerald Hargy, which I love. I just love Gerald the phrase. Hargy, it's yeah. a Hargy. A Hargy. Thank you so much for having time to talk about this film. I love Randy, it. I enjoyed so awesome. it. I love everything you've done, and I love Thank our history, you. and it's always so great talking with you. It really is. Thank you so much. I really do. And good luck. I wish I could be there at the premiere. I'm still going to try. I would love for you all to be there on the 15th. It'll be so much fun. But thank you for the luck in case you're not able to make it. Absolutely. Really it. Take care, man. All right. Great talking to you. I want to remind everyone that you can attend the official premiere of all-male, all-nude Johnsons in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on Sunday, September 15th at the Gateway Theater. I'll have the details and a link in the show notes. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share The Randy Report with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.